Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. 19 at verse 14. And it was the preparation of the Passover at about the sixth hour... He said unto the Jews, Behold your king, it is Pilate speaking there. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. And then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified, and they took Jesus and led him away. He bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him on either side one and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Let us unite together in prayer. Lord God, as we come into your presence this morning, We especially are mindful of that time in your earthly life when you stood before the judgment of Pilate and were condemned to die on the cross. It is that cross that we remember this morning. Lord, may our hearts be strangely warmed and filled by the power of your Spirit as we reflect upon this episode. If there is anyone in this congregation who is not right with you, or who is not a Christian, may this be the day of decision when hearts and lives are turned toward the Christ of the cross, in whose name we pray. Amen. All of you have traveled enough around the state or over into Virginia or perhaps in Maryland and I'm not sure how much further in North Carolina I think and you have seen the three crosses you don't have to go very many yards from our church to see a set of three crosses The center one is painted gold and is a little larger than the two on the side. Being placed there by a businessman in memory of the episode that took place a long time ago in which there were three crosses. Someone said to me some time ago that they thought those three crosses were gaudy and detracted from the landscape 
And I asked that person if they made the same comments about the billboards and the uglinesses that we have placed for all to see up and down our highways, and I got no response. I think those crosses ought to remind us of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ as we see them. I do not drive from home to this church or from home to my work without looking to the left to see the crosses. And I'm conscious of them all along the main highways. They ought to be there as a reminder to us that nearly 2,000 years ago there was a crucifixion that took place outside the city limits of Jerusalem in which three men were crucified. The one on the center cross was our own Lord. These crosses represent something. I believe one of those crosses belongs to you and me. The question is, which one? Which one do you claim? Or which one actually is yours? Martin Luther said many years ago that a man must have a cross. But more importantly, Jesus said, recorded in Luke chapter 14, that whosoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I want you to think a moment of the episode in the life of Jesus when they put a cross upon his shoulder and with the soldiers and the crowd around him made the trip through the city streets out to a hill that we know of as Calvary or Golgotha, depending upon which language, whether the, the Greek or the Hebrew. But Jesus said that we must take up our own cross and follow him. And if we're not willing to take our own cross and follow him, then we cannot be his disciple. Sometimes we oversimplify this thing of being Christian and say it's so simple to become saved. And in fact it is. It is a case of yielding your life, responding to the appeal of Christ and say yes to him. But it is not that easy to live the Christian life. Because to live the Christian life at times requires that we carry upon our shoulder a burden. Similar to the burden that Jesus carried when he bore his cross. For he bore it as a symbol of all of the sin of all mankind 
And that includes you and me. Can we do our little bit to bear a cross that would give honor and glory to the person that carried one for us? Let us look at these three crosses. First of all, let's look at the center cross. And I hope you can have in your imagination, in your mind's eye, the image of Calvary as you have conceived it to be. And there was hanging upon three crosses, three men. The center one, of course, is our own Lord. And on that cross there was a placard nailed at the order of Pilate in three languages, in Hebrew and in Greek and in Latin, that said, Jesus of Nazareth. King of the Jews. And the religious people of that day came to Pilate and said, Take down the sign. And he said, What I've written, I've written. It will remain. King of the Jews? Hanging on a cross? Why was he there? Jesus said, I came not to the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved. From what? We might ask. I have labeled this cross the cross of redemption for this morning's thinking. Because redemption implies that there is a need of liberation from something. Of redemption from something. Back in October 1987, you may remember the episode well. A little girl by the name of Jessica McClure in Midland, Texas had fallen in a well. And there she was with her little body wedged down there on a little ledge deep down inside that well. And the attention of the world was glued to the television or to the newspapers as we prayed and talked about the rescue, the redemption, if you will, of a little girl that was buried deep underground. And we learned how they sank another channel down alongside that well so that a man might descend to her level and dig through and reach over and grab her and redeem her from certain death, from the depths of that well. Maybe you cheered as you saw them on television, bring her out. Maybe you shed tears of relief in knowing that somebody, a little girl, helplessly in the depths of that well had been redeemed by the efforts of a great number of people. And for that little girl, many millions of prayers had been offered. I suggest to you this morning that 
you and I and the peoples of the world either are or at one time had sunk into the depths of a well where we were absolutely lost with no hope of life. Most of us here this morning felt the redeeming arms of someone reach into that pit and bring us out and give us life again. And perhaps some of us in this congregation are still in the depths of that well and have not been redeemed. But you can be. The redemption of man from the eternal depths of hell that can be uh, the well can be used as a description of it, was made possible by the person who died on the center cross. Jesus dug me out. And he dug most of you out. And he's digging for the rest of the world who are not saved. I suggest to you this morning that this cross belongs to Jesus. It's not yours. It belongs to our Lord. The only thing he ever really owned, besides a crown that was placed upon his head, given to him by a soldier, made out of thorns, and mockingly they placed it upon his brow and caused the blood to gush forth from his brow and run down his face. Let me read to you a poem whose author I do not know. It's entitled Borrowed. And it says this, They borrowed a bed to lay his head when Christ the Lord came down. They borrowed an ass in the mountain pass for him to ride to town. But the crown that he wore and the cross that he bore, they were his very own. He borrowed the bread when the crowd he fed on the grassy mountainside. He borrowed the dish of broken fish with which he satisfied, but the crown that he wore and the cross that he bore, they were his very own. He borrowed the ship in which to sit to teach the multitude. He borrowed the nest in which to rest. He had never a home so rude. But the crown that he wore and the cross that he bore, they were his very own. He borrowed a room on the way to the tomb, the Passover lamb to eat. And they borrowed the cave for him a grave. They borrowed the winding sheet. But the crown that he wore and the cross that he bore, they were his very own. The thorns on his head were worn in my stead. For me the Savior died. For the guilt of my sin that nails drove in when him they crucified. Though the crown alone and the cross were his own, by right they were mine instead. For me he died and was crucified. For me it was that he bled. As we look at the crosses this morning, we'll have to say the center cross belonged to our Lord. Who put him there? On that cross. We would like to blame the Jew. 
and say they crucified our Lord. But I want us to go back to Isaiah 53, and I want you to listen to very familiar words. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form or comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Who put him on the cross? The Lord God laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. And yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generations? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, because he hath done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, and he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. It pleased the Lord to bruise him and to lay upon him the iniquity of us all. He went to the cross to carry there our sin, to be bruised for us to be beaten for us, to have the crown upon his head for us, to have the nails driven in his hands for us, in order that we might not have to suffer the death of the cross. He was smitten of God and afflicted for us. There was a hymn that we oftentimes sing it's in our hymn book. It says, Beneath the Cross of Jesus. There's just two phrases in it that I want you to notice. The author says, Two wonders I confess. The wonder of his redeeming love and my unworthiness. What tremendous wonders. Who of us here this morning deserves 
what was given to us on the cross. Eternal life. And all we had to do was say, I receive it. Yes, it's easy to say, I receive it. Then comes the responsibility of putting our cross upon our shoulder and bearing it for his glory. There are two other crosses. I want to call one of them the cross of rejection. The cross was used as a means of crucifixion until the year A.D. 311, when it was stopped. On this particular occasion, when the last crucifixion took place in the Roman Empire, the people who came to watch it could no longer stomach the agony of the crucifixion by the cross. And the people in that arena silently turned on their heel and to the man left the arena saying to the Roman government, we can no longer tolerate this kind of execution. And it was never done again. In 71 BC, back before Christ was born, Croesus erected 6,000 crosses along a 100-mile strip of what we have come to know as the Appian Way. On those 6,000 crosses, 6,000 people were placed and crucified. Varus placed 2,000 crosses around the city of Jerusalem and on one occasion placed 2,000 bodies upon those crosses to be crucified because it was recognized as the instrument of the worst torture that a criminal could experience. And here on the hill called Calvary, outside Jerusalem, three men were erected upon crosses, the one we've talked about, the other two we shall now mention. Two criminals died with Christ that day, men who had rebelled against society and against God. Men who had broken all of the laws of society as well as the laws of God. Who had gone against God's will. Who had despised his name. Who had blasphemed him. Who in effect had spit in the very face of God. Were now being executed for their crimes. Does it not sound like today's world? in which men still blaspheme and spit upon God and rebel in every way. The scripture tells us in the book of Luke that one of these thieves that was being crucified with the Lord said to him in a scolding voice, the scripture says railed on him, that is cursed him, and shouted out to him blasphemies and said, If you're the Son of God like you say you are, come on down off that cross and save yourself and save us. That's what the world is doing today. Is looking into the face of Jesus hanging on the cross and laughing at him and scourging him and scoffing and blaspheming his name and saying, I don't believe you're who you are at all who you say you are. We said in the Sunday school class this morning that 90-some percent, I believe Bob was the figure you used, wasn't it? They believe in God. And yet we pointed out 
Rob did very well this morning, pointed out, as we know, the multitudes of this world do not believe in God. Do you believe in God? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? If that were true, we would all have our crosses on our back, marching to the tune of onward Christian soldiers, going out to conquer this world for Christ. But for the most part, there are no crosses on our backs this morning, no willingness on our part to proclaim the crucified Christ. And multitudes of people are blaspheming his name and ridiculing him and laughing in his face. This man so very close to Jesus and yet so very far away could have turned and repented and been saved that day, but he would not do so. He would rather die than to acknowledge Jesus Christ. It disturbs me as I read the obituaries week after week to see those people who simply say they were a Protestant or they were a Baptist or they were a Methodist which is doing nothing but saying they had some kind of family ties they personally did not believe in nor receive nor bear the cross of the Christ that established that church that they have some claim to. It's a personal commitment to Jesus Christ, not a family commitment. It's believing in an individual, not a theology, not a church. It's believing in the person who died on the cross and multitudes of people and maybe some in this congregation are saying, I'd rather die and go to hell than to believe in that center cross. And like this thief, it becomes a cross of rejection when he could have received eternal life but still went to his death that day and went to hell because he refused to acknowledge who really was hanging on the center cross. Then there's another cross on the other side. I want to call it the cross of repentance. This man was just as bad as the one on the other side. Just as immoral. Just as ungodly. Who had violated all the laws that man and God had ever even thought about. And yet he turned to his friend hanging on the opposite side and said, Look, we deserve the death that we're about to get. But that man has done nothing wrong. And he turned to Jesus and said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He didn't ask to be let off the cross. He didn't ask to have life. He didn't even ask for the ease of pain. He simply confessed that that person hanging on the center cross was indeed who he said he was. He repented. And the Lord turned to this thief and said, Today you will be with me 
in paradise. Both the Lord and the two thieves, all three, died that day. Two of them went to paradise, the Lord and one thief. The third one went to hell. You're carrying a cross this morning. It is the cross of rejection of Jesus Christ, or it's the cross of repentance. Whichever cross is on your shoulder will determine your destination. Where you will spend eternity. Because the cross in the center is not yours. It belongs to the Lord Jesus. Who hanged on it. For you and for me. But he claims it. And all we can do. Is turn to him and say Lord forgive me. Forgive me. And save me. If you're not a Christian this morning, you're going to carry the cross of rejection, but you can exchange that cross of rejection and make it a cross of repentance. And simply say to the person hanging on the center cross, Lord, forgive me. You've got to say forgive me. You've got to ask him to Forgive your unwillingness to this point to live for him. And then say, Lord, save my soul. With those words coming not just from the lips, but from the heart, the Lord Jesus is prepared to give you eternal life now. Now. When you turn from the cross of rejection to the cross of repentance. I pray you will make this decision this morning if you've not already done so. And then when we sing our invitation hymn to come on down this aisle. And be willing to take your stand with the thief who prayed that the Lord would remember him. Take your stand with us, the rest of us, who have accepted Christ as our Savior. And now we follow him, we trust, down the road of life, carrying whatever cross he has burdened us with. Shall we pray? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.